When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, and unpredictable thoughts and behavior. From Ars Longa Media, this is Cluster B, scientifically informed, expert insights into the four Cluster B personality types, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Here's today's host, Dr. Todd Grande. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can analyze the relationship between mood and gullibility. So what is gullibility? Well, gullibility is an individual's propensity to accept a false premise in the presence of untrustworthiness cues. It does seem to be tied to low social intelligence. Part of it is in insensitivity to cues that somebody should not be trusted, but another part of it is failing to act on a cue when it is detected. Another way that we can look at gullibility is to compare it to credulity. Credulity is the tendency to believe something without critically examining the evidence. Gullibility is a behavioral tendency toward being duped. Typically, we might think of gullibility if we see a person's beliefs violate facts and reality. Gullibility is fairly common, and it's aggravated by the fact that people tend to believe rather than disbelieve, right, as a tendency. So essentially, people have the default position of believing claims. Gullibility isn't thought to be a personality trait. And interestingly, it doesn't seem to have a strong association with trust. Trust is one of the facets of the personality trait agreeableness. So somebody can actually be trusting and not be gullible. People often adopt absurd beliefs in an attempt to control, predict, or understand their environment. Conspiracy theories are a great example of this. Even though these theories are often much more frightening than the reality, believing them brings some type of peace. There's a level of satisfaction that comes with having figured something out, even if that conclusion is incorrect. In a world that offers increased access to producing and distributing information, for example, social media, information is no longer filtered by experts and scientists. On top of that, an incredible volume of information can be produced on any given topic. If somebody is led to believe something that is not true, they can easily find reinforcement of that belief through a quick search on the internet. So gullibility is common and it's everywhere, but does that matter? Is it okay if people are gullible? Does it really make a difference? Well, there are a lot of consequences to gullibility. A lack of analytical thinking creates difficulty in a number of areas like science, decision-making, as well as physical and emotional safety. But there is also a financial cost. For example, in 2017, just in the United States, 
financial and romantic scams cost consumers about $1.5 billion. To combat this epidemic of misinformation, researchers have sought to understand how affective states may affect gullibility. That is, can somebody's mood be tied to their level of gullibility? This is an interesting connection to make because emotions are considered the enemy of rational thought. That doesn't mean emotions are useless or bad or evil or anything like that. Rather, they just are not associated with good decision-making or accurate processing of information. So I guess when I put it that way, it does seem like they're kind of negative, but that's not really what this is getting at. Emotions have their place, but critical thinking has its place as well, right? That's what I'm really saying here. Both have value, but it's context-specific value. Emotions can be valuable at certain times, and other times they are quite inconvenient. Critical thinking, though, I think one could make an argument that critical thinking is always useful. I don't know if there's ever a good time to suspend critical thinking, although certainly there are certain times when it's extremely important as opposed to just regular important, I guess. Now, negative moods facilitate an attentive, detailed, and data-driven processing style, whereas positive moods produce a more creative and theory-driven type of thinking. So we could think of it this way. When you're in a good mood, you are more likely to create a theory, but you might want to wait until you're in a bad mood to test that theory. Now, this is tied to the somewhat controversial theory of depressive realism. Now, the jury is still out on how depressive realism works or if it's really there at all. There's some evidence that supports it and some that doesn't. But either way, it's a tendency that may be present in some depressive situations, right? This tendency to be a bit more realistic. And again, I think this connects with the idea of negative mood creating a resistance to gullibility. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads. But this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. So let's look at the effect of negative affect on four areas of gullibility, doubtful claims, 
nonsense receptivity, interpersonal gullibility and the detection of deception, and gullibility in eyewitness reports. So starting with mood effects on believing doubtful claims. When people are in a negative mood, they are less likely to believe doubtful claims. People who are in a negative mood pay closer attention to the quality of persuasive arguments, right? So this one's fairly straightforward. Moving to nonsense receptivity. This is really based on the idea that people infer meaning in random or meaningless information. We know this is actually pretty common, right? We see this quite a bit where people extract meaning that's simply not represented in the data. People in a good mood tend to find meaning in nonsensical statements. The same thing happens when people in a good mood are looking at abstract images. In addition to being more gullible, we see that people in a good mood also form their judgment more quickly. And of course, usually this is associated with making a poor decision. Now moving to interpersonal gullibility and detecting deception. So really we're looking at the tendency to be manipulated and the ability to tell when somebody's lying. As it turns out, people are not really good at detecting deception. I've talked about this before in other videos. Determining if emotional expressions are genuine is an aid in detecting deception. People in a positive mood tend to rate the sincerity of facial expressions as credible. So if they see somebody who appears happy, sad, disgusted, surprised, angry, or fearful, the six basic emotions, they tend to believe the expression is genuine. Something else that can be helpful when trying to detect deception is figuring out if a statement contains ambiguity. So if it's open to more than one interpretation, unclear or inexact. People in a negative mood are more likely to classify ambiguous statements correctly. What about experiments where intentional deception is taking place? What results do we see here? People who are in a negative mood are significantly better at identifying deception relative to those in a positive mood. But again, in general, people don't do a good job at detecting deception, right? So it's really just a matter of ranking negative mood and positive mood. That doesn't mean that somebody with negative mood is incredible at detecting when somebody's lying. Now, the last category here is eyewitness gullibility. Many people tend to think that eyewitness accounts are accurate. We know from the research literature that not only are they unreliable and inaccurate, but they are extremely susceptible to contamination by misleading information received after the event was witnessed. This, of course, is referred to as eyewitness gullibility, and it has a tremendous influence on overall eyewitness accuracy. People in a positive mood are highly susceptible to the infusion of misleading information. People in a negative mood are highly resistant to eyewitness gullibility and less likely to show false memory effects. So assuming law enforcement would be the primary group that would intentionally or unintentionally exploit eyewitness gullibility, does that mean that a criminal would be more successful at a place like Disneyland, where witnesses, in theory, would be in a good mood, as compared to like a long checkout line at a Walmart, where everybody would be miserable? Well, the mood that we're talking about here is the mood at the time when somebody is trying to infuse the misleading information. But there is evidence that when people are in a negative mood, they have a better memory. So in a sense, yes, a criminal has a better chance of getting away if the witnesses are happy. Now, this makes me think of one thing that's important here. This is why I said in theory around being happy. 
At a place like Disneyland or some other crowded place, people who are introverted are probably not going to be too happy, right? And of course, they won't be happy in a checkout line at Walmart either. But I think that personality plays a part in this too, because it can contribute to how happy somebody is in a certain environment. So a criminal could never be sure because they couldn't know about the personality of witnesses. So all this information on gullibility and mood is quite interesting, but how can it be applied? Can we do anything with these findings? So I had some thoughts about this. First point, a negative mood may lead to a better deal when negotiating a large purchase, right? So like when buying a car or something like that, it's not necessarily a good idea to be in a good mood when somebody is more likely to be making false claims that could affect the quality of a deal. Next point, not that defendants in a criminal case have any control over this, but they would want members of a jury to be happy when they're about to tell a bunch of lies on the stand, right? So something to keep in mind for people thinking about a life of crime. Next point, narcissists have a better chance of fooling you when you're in a good mood. Although for many people, just interacting with a narcissist instantly puts them in a bad mood. Maybe that's actually a protective mechanism in a way. A reckless narcissist can put potential victims in the right frame of mind to prevent manipulation, but a careful narcissist will use their superficial charm to make sure their victims stay in a good mood. The last point, without negative affective states, people would never have these data processing advantages that I've talked about here in this video. So a bad mood is not always bad overall. One could actually argue that it's essential to critical thinking. For more content like this, check out Healthy Toxic, another podcast from Ars Longa Media, all about what makes or breaks relationships, including issues related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how personality disorders affect relationships. Ars Longa, Vita Brevitz. Learn more at ArsLonga.media. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.